Sweat Equity Podcast and Streaming Show. We're back. We are. You're back. Yeah. 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 You went to Tahiti. You got a tan. I mean, a month is a long time in Tahiti, man. Yeah. I can't wait to tell me about all the lady boys. We're the number one comedy business podcast in the world. What? You like how I talked over that so you couldn't get in? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't bother me none. Hey, man. If you, li- Tahitian, baby. if you like this Tahitian show, vibes. minus Eric's hiatus, uh, spread the word because we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel. We need those subs, as the kids call it. Oh, yeah. That's what they're talking about? Yeah, not sandwiches, man. Oh. Bribers. Uh, this episode of Sweat Equity is sponsored by Zupyak, the first search-optimized AI writer. I use it. I'm not, I'm not only promoting it. I'm a member as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the first uh, AI writer. Look, writing content blows, but it, you don't want it to. You don't want it. Try it though. You don't want it to read like a foreign exchange student. That's how a lot of Chat GPT and the other ones work. This one, all podcast. This one's simple. You get in and out, baby. Go to zupyak.com. That's Z-U-P-Y-A-K.com. Enter the promo code Sweat and get the hookup. Holler if you hear me. That's zupyak. Z-U-P-Y-A-K.com. And if you want some hookups from Squarespace, CallRail, or LinkedIn Premium, those, too bad. those links will be in oh. the episode description. Oh, no, okay. Not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Not too shabby. Good. Let's get it going. Hi, Tony. It's called Sweat Equity. Listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. You good? I, I guess so. <laughs> okay. Wow, that was uh, some some mad girlfriend energy. What? <laughs> I guess we're okay. I'm insecure about the software. Okay. Well, this is recorded on Zoom, so worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Yep. Sure. All these record our parts in case they get messed up. No faith in me. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Probably wise. I don't know what's going on either. Uh, should we call you Alex? Alexander. Alexander. I, uh, yeah, we we branded a few years ago. Well, uh, Alexander Conception. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell we're 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 in it now? Uh, why don't you tell uh, everybody you know where to find you, what you're about? Just uh, we found if we let the guests do their own intro, uh-huh. then I don't have to stumble through reading out loud. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the main thing is I'm publishing my book, uh, Survival First, The Rebel Entrepreneur's Guide to Risk, Riches, and Immortality around late February, early March. And that can be found at survivalfirstbook.com. And my background is I'm originally from Miami, uh, born to uh, Cuban immigrants. And I moved to Austin, Texas nine years ago, and I've started a real estate company called uh, Taco Street Locating, which helps people find apartments all around Texas. So that's the that's the gist of it. And um, you, you had some what? I thought you had something. Oh, I thought you were getting a sound in my mouth. I thought you were clearing. I your, guess that's what talking is. Uh, ta- Taco Street Locating. That's an interesting name. How did that come about? Well, I didn't want to be just another realtor because 
that I just wouldn't want to kill myself <laughs> just in, in real estate because there's so many the name people. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people just doing the same thing the same way, and I was not going to do that. And I just thought it would be ridiculous to take like street tacos, invert the name to Taco Street, and turn that into the name of a real estate company. It was funny and absurd and ridiculous. So I went with it. It's got sticking power, and you're you're sticking with the theme of keeping Austin weird. That's yeah. uh, that that's aligned with that. Um, I thought there was a real Taco Street in Austin. That's what I. Assumed. If you if you've been to Austin, you would conclude that every street is Taco Street, right? So I'm, it makes sense given the context. Yeah, I'm loyal to Torchies. I think oh, is we go. the one uh, that I like the best out there. But I don't. I haven't been there. In, I don't know ten years. So. Really? You talk about it like you were just there last week. Well, I almost moved there. I almost moved to Austin uh, mm-hmm. a couple times. Did I just give you a segue to talk about it more? Uh, and I, I used to really love it. I, uh, my friends that are there now are saying it's, um, it, it's good for realtors for like yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's like it's a city that is over capacity, I guess. And as you get closer to downtown. Because it's all like centralized or something. I wouldn't say that because here they're building. So my niche is apartment complexes and I help people find places to rent. Yeah. And they are building them so fast. It's insane how I've been in this business for like six years. And yeah, I've had a ton of people move here from all the places you'd expect. Uh, But yeah, they actually are building a ton of new inventory which is good for pricing it's good for me it's good for the people getting reasonable rents uh reasonably close to downtown yeah some people are going to complain but uh it's no i a, think it's pretty it's well an interesting right study i guess it's it's a you know it's a small city that is booming from uh you know, being a blue city in a red state in uh-huh. some some instances, a lot of tech Rogan. companies. Well, a lot of tech yeah. companies move there. A lot of, the comedy kind of capital now because there's seven uh-huh. full time clubs in a city that has what 1.5 million, something like that. Yeah, so it's it's just an interesting kind of Sim City study. If you're if you're cool like that and played Sim City, real city. <laughs> yeah, I would even go as far to say that there's like a renaissance happening here. Yeah, just in terms of the people that are coming here and the energy they're bringing in terms of entrepreneurial energy, but at the same time wanting to not be your hyper growth venture backed startup bazillionaire, the people here are generally down to earth, super friendly, and they're coming for that. But so many people I work with, they're just coming here to do something new, become themselves, and bring a lot of energy to the table that is this city. And it's really exciting. You have kind of a quiet energy, (laughs) a very uh, calculated, it seems almost, uh, pressurized energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Well, we get a, you can get those people that are like you know hustle culture people. Uh, yeah, and that that's I'm usually what I, a fan of those. That's what I was thinking of when I was like, no. who are the annoying entrepreneur? Oh, those guys. Yeah, they're just uh, wow. Yeah. They're the, the Gary V wannabe. Right. Oh my god. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, no. That exists here in a small dose, but at least I'm biased based on the ecosystem of people that I have, like are people that have their own businesses, they don't want to be in the corporate world, but they also want to be happy, healthy people. 
and a business is just part of their lives rather than the whole thing. Well, yeah, I, I'm definitely someone that uh, gets like that energy by osmosis by being around those kind of people. But before we get into like the entrepreneurship uh, aspect in your book, uh, we have two questions we want to ask you. Did you listen to the podcast before coming on? Um, yes. Okay. That's why. That's why I'm wearing a flamingo shirt. Okay. I was going to say, wearing, yeah. he's wearing a flamingo uh, jacket. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's I, weird. I didn't tell him about the email you said yesterday that you had it on, ready to go. Yeah. So that's just weird. Oh, that is super weird. Yeah. This, this, I would have no, promised I, uh, the Tims. Anybody, anybody, yeah, anybody who's uh, watching this episode. It's after midnight. You can eat donuts now. <laughs> That's a real inside uh, I know, but it made you laugh. We went to a, a gay New Year's Eve party. Eric was wearing this uh, this coat uh, that he's got. He's donning uh, very, what would you say? Uh, That's Pitbull energy. Yes, yes. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, Dale, all that. Yeah. Um, and, and, I'm uh, from Miami. I know. I recognize this energy very, very yeah. clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. The necklace. Okay, so I'm wearing this. The part. You're wearing is, like a. Brooch? I got to keep the uh, shiny, super shiny necklace. This was given to me at the party, but the deal was I had to wear it on the podcast in order to keep it. So I'm keeping my promise. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they don't listen. I'm sure I this will is not the podcast. For sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other question we want to ask you is uh, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? To listen to yourself, to listen to myself. I was a very sensitive kid, but very not ex- but very non-expressive and I would feel a lot but not really know how to like understand what I'm feeling or connecting to what I'm feeling and a lot of the a lot of the traps I kind of fell into between then and now are consequences of me not listening to myself and pretty much all the good things in my life right now are largely consequences of me listening to not just my head but the the deeper sense inside of me. And yeah, that's what I would say. Can you give us like uh, an example? Because a lot of people will say, you know, I need to listen to myself, but it's kind of what we, we pride ourselves on this show is kind of drilling down on some of these bigger, um, broader kind of, I don't know, motivational, inspirational things and kind of, if you have like a, this one's tough to quantify sometimes. No, but like a real life yeah. example, you know that you could go, oh, okay, I see what he means because that could uh-huh. you could interpret that a lot of different ways. That's what I, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So the most relevant way that's happened to me was post college. I graduated from uh, I went to Penn State, got degrees in finance economics. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, no. And families are fans. Yeah. And. The plan was to um, go that corporate finance route, which never ever made sense to like, it made sense rationally, like, oh, I want to make good money, I want to be successful. So get the successful sounding degree from the successful sounding school and go to the successful sounding company and do the, you know, the, the templated path to get success. And the two years after college was critical for me because it was my my brain telling me one thing and my soul like going through a revolt and saying dude this is what are you doing this is not that is not what you got to do and it took me two years to really understand and process that and that's when i made the decision to uh well 
burn my diplomas as if I never went to college. Did and then really start burn them? Did you burn them for real? Did you make an effigy? Yeah. Uh, I did burn them for real. Nice. Um, Badass. An, an effigy, I think, would have been not be possible with because uh, <laughs> it was ash. Um, but for me, like the physical act didn't really mean much. But like, what it meant to like me on the inside, it's I'm now free to go my own path. And what that meant to me at that time was to move to Austin, which was nine years ago. And it was a similar thing when I eventually did get a job. And when I'm there at the job and I'm making good money and everything is fine. And I'm like, like you gotta prove it. <laughs> and I'm like financially stable for the first time. And then again, my my senses are tingling and like, hey, something's off. This isn't this doesn't feel right. Like this is not this is not the path. And then I quit that job and I just didn't have any backup plans. And eventually stumbling around from thing to thing to thing, I wound up in uh, real estate and starting my own business, my own company, which was never the plan. I never planned on being an entrepreneur. But now that I'm about six years into this, I can't imagine doing anything else. Did you think not having a backup plan gave you kind of more of that um, engine, more of the motor to kind of, uh, you got to make something work? After you were like, real estate, I kind of fall in line with this. I didn't think I would, but, or maybe you're successful at it. You don't love it, love it, but maybe you're just very good at it. Like we don't love marketing uh, stuff. Like I don't mm. wake up every day being like, yes, I can't wait to look at Right. Mm. Can't wait to spread the word to tracking code and stuff and implementation. But I, I have the satisfaction of like, uh, I, I personally, I don't, I don't want to speak for Eric, but like helping a business grow. Like that's, that's exciting mm. for me, but it took a while to kind of figure that out. Um, why, yeah, I'm not, you know, why would I not enjoy that? All no, I don't know. I just didn't want to speak monster. for I didn't want to speak for you. People, you just said ditto. Uh, no. Um, but I'm saying like, uh, that, like in the comedy world, there's a lot of people that would believe if you have another job and you're not going hundred percent into it, you're not doing it correctly. It's like, mm -hmm. no, having no backup plan. I think that's kind of short-sighted and a little mm -hmm. romantic, but that's more of the arts kind of profile for you. Do you think that helped having the back against your wall, your back against the wall? Do you think that helped kind of put good pressure on you? Yeah. I mean, I spent years in just financial anxiety and dread and terror about selling plasma. What I, what I was doing, like, I went broke. I had to ask my dad for rent money for like three months back to back to back. And that's when I started doing this niche of apartment locating that I thought was only going to be a thing for like a few months until I found a real job. But what I always sensed throughout the entire time, it's I've got to do something that my senses connect to. And although the actual niche of apartment locating, it's like marginally interesting uh the business side it's it's really simple it's not it's just it's not like a super fascinating business it's really straightforward but what i did where i did find connection was the excitement of going from totally broke to not totally broke and doing all these things from the marketing and lead gen and using 
building uh, stacks of technology and developing processes and systems. I really like that part. And that's where a lot of the energy came from was kind of building this business kind of from scratch. And what I always think about, it's where is the energy coming from? And part of the energy was the excitement of being not broke and running away from that kind of financially desperate states and the energy of building something new and discovering new things about myself. Yeah, so that made it really exciting. And then doing it on my terms, controlling my time, controlling when I worked, where I worked from, and really for the first time in my life, having that kind of sovereignty with financial stability was amazing. Well, you know, this is your first book, right? Um, yes. Uh, survive, survival first. Uh, the rebels on the rebel entrepreneur's guide to risk, risk, riches, and immortality. Oh this is why I can't read out loud. Uh, but I, I'm very interested in the risk part because mm-hmm. uh, it's one of my favorite board games. But uh, yeah. not only that, I never played Risk. It's so much fun. I'll fuck you up in this, dude. I'll fuck your world up. I got the fucking Hasbro Xbox package. I have it on, ready to go. Bro, you probably get Australian shit. You take Australia? You know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get your nerd jokes. You don't know risk strategy then. Yeah. Uh, Everybody, you know, common strategies to get Australia. Not a risk. And you got, uh, it's really South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way to do it. It's it's got a chess kind of strategy uh-huh. to it. Um, but I would say like uh, risk is something I feel like kind of like um, I heard uh, talk recently about how we don't understand how to read a lot of uh, just statistics in general, and I think that kind of is under the umbrella of risk. I don't think we uh, as a whole, I'm just speaking Americans really uh, assess risk properly in a lot of ways. Uh, on the business side. I think it becomes a thing where people don't take 10 minutes a lot of the time to think about the risk of what they're doing. And you can get so busy in the entrepreneurial kind of mode that you might not ever kind of do some basic analysis, even if it's just sitting down, right? And mm-hmm. putting a cost benefit together. Right. Uh, what, what if they just want to listen to their, themselves, trust their gut? Do you, what, what, are your, from somebody. what are your thoughts on risk as, as a whole in business, being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So the reason the book is called Survival First is the fact that most of us entrepreneurs don't make it. Most creators don't make it. Just most of us don't make it. And most people just never talk about why. And I wanted to understand what's the difference between a business that survives and a business that doesn't. And then I got to the entrepreneur. And what I realized is that ultimately survival is a choice. And it sounds like a weird way of framing it. But no one is forcing you guys to do your business. No one is forcing you to do the podcast. It's your choice to continue to do the thing. And because you're choosing to do so, you are surviving. And risk is what makes you want to not make that choice anymore. And there's the two sides of risk. There's like the rational, the financial, the strategic, the above the surface parts. But to me, risk is primarily emotional because hypothetically, if you're doing your business and you're making enough money to justify it rationally, but you hate doing it, you just make wake up miserable every day and you hate your business, then you're probably 
not going to want to do it anymore. And therefore, what what would make you hate your business? What would make you spend way too much time on it? What would make you feel all these negative emotions? What would bring you to the point where you're like, this isn't worth it anymore? So it's looking at both the rational and the financial, but in the frame of this book, it's primarily emotional. And it's where does the energy come from? Because if the energy to continue running the business isn't there anymore, then you're not going to do it anymore. You're not, in, a, in a solo entrepreneur, in the startup, like uh, either breaking away from the corporate thing like you were talking about, mm-hmm. or you know that, that going on your own is a lot of uh, questioning thyself a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're getting to? Yeah, that's part of it. Like for me in my business... The reason I keep doing it is the money is pretty good and it opens up a lot of opportunities for my lifestyle because it gives me a lot of free time. But if my business didn't make enough money, if I just hated my business, then I would probably shut down the business and get a job. And what it's all about what makes me want to choose to continue being an entrepreneur. It's well, it's funny, you know, people see the getting a full time job that you get paid every month or every two weeks or whatever. You got your benefits package. They see that as no risk, right? Once they get it. <laughs> right. And ask um, them the same thing on their deathbed. Well, yeah. And then there's the, so in their head, it becomes like, should I do this venture or should I go for the less risky thing? But the problem with that is they don't think about what can happen with that day job because you can get chicken. Mm-hmm. Externalities that have nothing to do with your performance, right? And so they never go like one layer deeper to go like, well, is getting a full time job at a company is that risky in, in itself? Because it is, but you, they you never assess it that way. Yeah, well, just from like an objective standpoint, having one source of income that's a hundred percent of your income is just not safe. Maybe it's stable for a while, but you go from a hundred percent of your income to zero. Just flip of a switch and you're done. And someone else has control over that switch that is your income. So that's unless, depends on the profession you're in, but... By and large. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. out of your hands. No, and that and just, if they find out you have a second gig, that's kind of related to what you do there. Right. You might, you know... You don't think 24-7 yeah. about our company? Right, right. They they don't like that so much. I've, I've had... Uh, uh, instances where I was interviewing, they're like, so you do this stand-up comedy thing at night? I'm like, yeah, it's at night. It has nothing to do with this day job. And they're uh-huh. like, mm, you gotta stop. Yeah, I don't we, don't, we don't think that's good. I'm like, you can't, We've seen you got me for 40, you can't, well, that's mm-hmm. another story, but <laughs> that now we're starting to sound like Thanksgiving with my family. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> uh, but like, get a real job, by the way. But they're like, oh, God, now you're sounding sound, you sound like my ex-wife. Um, I'm like, who else can I do? What other impressions <laughs> do I do? Who, who others close to me has hated on what I've been doing? Uh, but it's one of those things. I love everything you do. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but you got a compliment. Yeah, I know. So, so part of what I was, it's and not like just. a necklace joke earlier. On, but, <laughs> so it's not just like a single source of income that someone else controls that the problem. It's the deeper psychic crisis of being in or being on the wrong path for a really long time. So the way I ultimately frame it in the book 
is at a relationship and a lot of and we are in relationships with our businesses in the same way other people are relationships with other people and we're also relationships with our jobs and in that frame if you're in a relationship that you're like this kind of sucks and you just keep doing that relationship for five ten years in the future and the deeper you get the harder it is to untangle and then you wind up like deep into the future and you're like what have i done with my life that's the real risk for me that's what i was sensing when i was 22 23 was oh like i know if i go down this path i'm gonna wake up one day realizing what have i done and i'm like nope i'm not taking that risk i'm gonna take a different risk so a lot of the things I've done that may seem on paper like brave are me just being more terrified of the alternative. So you asked about like the, the putting my back against the wall. Like, yeah, I did that. But it was also knowing that there's someone else's path that I could walk that would maybe give me some financial security, but would lead me to this deep existential dread, which I was just not going to do. Or I was going to go down my own path and whatever was going to happen was going to be mine and I was going to make it. And that was the only thing that made sense and still makes sense to me now. For those listening that want to go do their own thing, um, you know, uh, one thing a lot of people get nervous about is competition going into doing their own business. Why, uh, why isn't competition real? <laughs> so... One of the chapters in the book is competitive risk. And I argue that competition is not real because we are never playing the same game against someone else. Like competition is like chess or football. Or we're risk. playing or the yeah, game of risk. You're yeah. right. The game of risk. You're playing the same game with the same set of rules directly against someone else. And that is never, ever, ever the case in business. What we're doing instead is we're all playing different games next to each other. And what happens, like in the, in the context of this podcast right now, whoever's listening is making the choice to listen to this instead of listening to something else. And we thank you so much for listening while you're jogging. Yeah. So the risk to you guys isn't that you're beaten by a different podcast. It's that the listener chooses to do anything else. So the way I frame it in that chapter, it's not competitive risk, it's replacement risk. And the problem with competition as a frame is that it puts your focus on other businesses like you. So you wind up becoming just like everyone else, uh, basically a commodity. That's where you have everyone who's like real estate agents. They're all doing the same thing, just like each other. Look, they look the same way. They act the same way. They market the same way. They're doing all the same things. And when you realize that's how almost all businesses operate, it's everyone is pretty much copycatting everyone else. And they're using the frame of competition, which leads to copycatting. But with the replacement frame, it's... How do you become irreplaceable? And that's part of the reason I have a taco-themed real estate company, because it stands out. It does not fit in. And the it's also a more optimistic frame with which to think about business, because a lot of small people starting off, 
they're thinking, how can I compete against Amazon or Google or blah, 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 insert big company. You can't. And if you try, you're going to lose because you can't do what they do. But the universe is also true. They can't do what you do because you're a small business. You're an individual. You can infuse your business with personality. You can make a more human experience in ways that big businesses can't. And as a small entrepreneur, I think that's radically optimistic, but also just connected to reality. Yeah, um, I think it's point of view. I think kind of, um, I think you can look at it in defeatist way, right? Mm -hmm. And go, well, I, you know, I want to sell books online, but I can't. I can't compete with Amazon and well, that's I'm, a bad one. I'm just I'm giving an example, but yeah. there's a you never look at it from the inverse, which is right. Total. I'm your local bookstore. Come on down, have a cup of coffee with me or some shit. Uh-huh. You know, and, like, and the total area market you might have is right. the town, Tom and Sam, the the whole like kind of what is the total market that you that is out there. Mm-hmm. Right, it's almost infinite. Um, for it depends. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's perspective of just about how you look at it. Like you can, yeah. you can hate on yourself and what the idea and what you're doing, and that probably is a deeper subconscious thing that you don't believe in yourself to do it. Uh, or you can take that information as you know and still be optimistic on like there's still a market for me to have a slice in it. Yeah, the thing like coffee shops, most people like your options are you can go to Starbucks, like the big mega chain or you can go to like a cool little quirky coffee shop down the road ran by someone who lives in the neighborhood and you know them you can build a relationship with them and you know they really care about their stuff like they're playing different games yeah so that that little coffee shop that has a store of one they're gonna win that game because you the consumer you're like i like that experience more it's 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 more human it's more that's what people want the coffee doesn't it's they want more they want to feel right feel good they want an emotional reaction yeah and that's that's the giant exodus of the corporate world that we're seeing it's that people want to get away from this basically dehumanized way of making money and take sovereignty over the way they make money which is sovereignty over your life and to me the optimistic thing it's like yeah you if you put your 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 human energy into the business it's going to stand out because there's no one like you and that's the fun part like i've done that with my business like my business has a ton of my personality infused in it and bigger businesses can't do that right no totally agree yeah um well i just want to point out real quick Besides the uh, both of us bring flamingos, what did I tell you I was going to make you for dinner? Tacos. Nice. That's so weird. Man, we really sound like this thing. It's weird. <laughs> um, I'm not well, when's the book come out? Uh, do you know? you have a, a, a drop date? Oh, man. Planning late February, early March. We've already uploaded the audiobook, which takes about five weeks. Uh, but yeah, it's that that that's the window. All right. Well, let us know. We'll we'll throw it out there in future episodes. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time and uh, and you guys synchronizing your flamingos without right. knowing it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You telepathically, sir. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. See ya. See ya.